0: It is indeed good to be gathered together in God's house and online, knowing that God brings us together. And in doing so, we remind ourselves who God is, how God has worked in the world, even in times such as these, and, and probably especially so. God's presence draws us near to the heart of God, to the heart of one another knowing that we don't face times like this alone, but we face them in the strength of God's faithfulness and in the embrace of Christ's hands and feet, the church, one another. We are in the midst of a series called Rebuild. And it was a series, was a sermon series that was planned months ago. And the topic that was chosen months ago for today was to talk about healing. And as we poured over and prayed through scripture and tried to discern which story would best illustrate how God brings about healing in God's people, the passage that came to mind was the story of Nehemiah and how God's people had been devastated. We read from Lamentations last week kind of what that sounded like and felt like as a result of, of being sent away into exile. And, um, and eventually, God's people, through Nehemiah and Ezra and, and some others, uh, learned that they were called to, to go back to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the walls around the city, and to restore the glory of God's people. And that was the passage that we had decided as a, as a, as a staff to, to preach this morning. And then Wednesday happened. And I struggled ever since to try to figure out how that passage, those, that passage preaches to this moment. Um, and I couldn't find it. <laughs> it's in there. I know it is. And I also know that if you'd like to hear more about that story and that connection between Nehemiah, God's devastated people, God's people who restored themselves to hope um, through God's help and healing. I invite you to go to Crossroads at 11 um, because Vern's gonna preach from Nehemiah and you get to hear that at that time. This morning though, uh, we're gonna stay grounded in Psalm 46 because that was the verse, that was the chapter that that kept resonating with me ever since Wednesday uh, that God is our refuge and strength. And so I invite you to hear those words again, even though I read them earlier. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is the word of God on which we can stand in times like this. We talked about that last week as we talked about who is and what is our firm foundation. It is the word of God. In fact, more than that, the word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ. Whose story reminds us that no matter how dark things look, and no matter how bad things seem, Christ is risen. Christ is the light of the world. The light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot, will not, overcome it. And again, that's why we gather to worship is to remind ourselves of God's story and the fact that Jesus entered into the darkness, into the sin, into all the evil acts that have ever and will ever be committed. And Jesus said, no more. Death does not have the final word. This week there are memorial services planned, um, for Chris and for Logan and for the Ligon family. And at those services, I'm sure that there will be singing. And one of the things that I love most about singing at a funeral is it reminds us exactly that, that death does not have the last word. We started this morning by singing, It Is Well, with my soul, how in the world, in a world like this, in a week like we experienced, how do we sing "It is Well" in the midst of all of that turmoil? Well, I've told this story before, and I've, I've commended you uh, this story before as well, but the story of how the hymn "It Is Well" was penned is a beautiful one and is a testimony to God's faithfulness in the midst of tragedy. Horatio Spafford wrote the tune, uh, wrote, the, wrote the verses for it the, and the song, and he lived in Chicago. He was a, a businessman in Chicago who actually lost quite a bit in the great fire uh, of Chicago in the late 1800s. He uh, had a, a business that he lost, and, and uh, he had a family, and kind of as they were sort of recovering and coming out of that time of, of devastation and fire, uh, they decided to take a trip. And to, to go over to England And so at the last minute Like I said he was a businessman And so something came up And, and he didn't have a chance uh, to, to get on the boat And sail to England with his family But he sent his family ahead and said I will come and, and join you uh, As soon as I can And so his wife and his four daughters Got on the ship that, uh, that boarded from New York City To sail over to, to England And he said goodbye to them And Partway through the voyage, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, that ship struck another ship and went down. And Horatio Spafford received a telegram from his wife that said, saved alone. Meaning that his four daughters, their four daughters, had passed away when the ship went down. And so Horatio did uh, what all of us would do. He, he did everything he could to get over to England to be with his wife. He boarded a, another ship and, uh, and sailed across. And the captain who was sailing the ship was aware that Horatio was on board as they were going across the Atlantic. And when they approached the spot where his family had gone down in, in the other ship, Captain called Horatio up to the deck of the ship and he said, hey, I just wanted you to know that here we're approaching the place where your daughters and and so many others perished. And Spafford describes that moment when he looked over into the water and he saw the waves and he, he, he felt the incredible impact of the loss that he had experienced. And yet in the middle of that moment he also felt peace. And we hear that in the lyrics of that song. When peace, like a river, tendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He penned those lyrics as a result of that experience of sitting, standing literally in the face of death. He wrote a song that we still sing in the face of death today, proclaiming that death is not the end of our story. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And so I love it when we have a chance to remind ourselves who God is and that God went to the cross in Jesus to defeat death in order that we might know that our story doesn't end with sadness. Our story doesn't end with grief. Our story ends with life and resurrection and victory in Jesus. Amen? Amen. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I want to tell you a little bit about how I experienced God's presence this week through the Holy Spirit. So it was Friday uh, afternoon and, um, and I was sitting and, and thinking about, again, just kind of how to, and praying about how to, how, to, how to talk about this week and how to make sense of what happened in light of our faith and how to offer words of hope and encouragement. And, and like I said, the, the Psalm, Psalm 46 came to mind and, and God is our refuge and strength. And I thought, yes, and if you keep reading that psalm, verse 10 says this Be still and know that I am God. And so, in the midst of trying to prepare the sermon and trying to make connections between the things we had talked about we were going to say and, 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 and the message we felt God was giving us and the reality of the moment that we face, uh, that verse came to mind Be still. And know that I am God. And in that stillness, I had already figured out, I would already planned for that day to go downtown and to be a part of the, the processional that would be coming from Wilkesboro. And, but yet, there was still something that was a little bit unsettled in me about even, even that. And um, I couldn't figure out what it was and, I, I was. and so I spent time being still and seeking the Lord's presence in the midst of this and asking God, what is it that you want from me? from us, from our community at, at this time. And, and it came to me, that the thought came to me that, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go and park uh, by King Street, by New Market, and I'm going to read Scripture. I'm going to, to see what bubbles up and see what, what God says to me and what God suggests might be uh, the right passage to talk about on Sunday. And I'll go early and I'll spend an hour there in prayer and in solitude and in silence and just reflecting on God's word and listening for a word from the Spirit. And so, as I prepared to do that and I got ready to head down to come to New Market, I was at home at the time, something else stirred in my spirit and it said, No, um, don't just sit there. Go for a walk okay, go for a walk. What does that mean? And so as I prayed about it more, um, I, I realized God was calling me to come and, and not to just park at New Market and pray and, and read scripture, which is great, um, but to actually walk down King Street. And so I came here to my office. I grabbed my stole um, and, and I proceeded to walk from, from Newmarket just down into King Street and saw people as they were, this is about 1.30 or so, um, as people were lining the streets for the procession that was uh, about to happen. And I just heard this word from the Lord: just, just go and just walk and just be there. And so I put on my stole and, and I brought this sign with me that's a little ragged um, because it was really windy <laughs> that day. Um, Would you like prayer? And as I walked uh, down King Street with this sign, there was an, there was something in the air. There, there was um, just this. Anxiousness, this anticipation for what was about to happen, as we waited um, for the bodies of of our fallen servants uh, to come to Boone, and 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 just I could sense in people's eyes and, and in their countenance that there was this just this unsettledness, I guess. And so as I walked down King Street, I didn't say anything to many people. I just walked with this, uh, with this sign. And a couple of people did say, yes, I'd, I'd like prayer. And I stopped and, and prayed with them. And I ended up walking all the way down to Mellow Mushroom, um, where the procession made a, a right turn to head back to, to Austin and Barnes. And about that time was when, um, it was about 2.30 by, by this point, And so I just stayed there and and waited uh, as the procession approached. And I know many of you were there. I saw many of you there. And um, as that procession arrived and, and prepared to turn the corner, that was a holy moment, wasn't it? Even though there were hundreds of people lining the streets, you couldn't hear a thing all you could hear was the sound of the helicopter overhead as the motorcade arrived. And it just felt like this profound, sacred, holy moment as we stood side by side, letting all of our law enforcement community know, letting everyone in the community know that no one is alone through this. We are in this together, and the procession lasted a good long while. There were hundreds of law enforcement vehicles and, and first responders in the in the procession, and I've got to tell you, after it had finished, there was a different feeling in the air. You see, there's something about standing together side by side with one another in the midst of grief that reminds us that we are not alone, but also that God is with us. And I don't know that everyone who was standing in that that, uh, procession, in that ceremony, would have been able to articulate the, the Christian faith necessarily, but I know that everyone who was in that moment experienced something of God's Presence. And as the as the motorcade approached, I I switched my sign uh, from would you like prayer? to God be with you. And it almost felt as if in that moment that was literally what was happening. God was reminding us that we are not alone. And that God is with us. That God is our refuge and our strength. God is present in every time of trouble. Jesus said it differently, I will never leave you or forsake you, but I will be with you always to the end of the age. And friends, I believe with all of my heart that our community experienced something of God's presence this week. Even and especially in the midst of such unspeakable tragedy. God is with us always. Galatians 6.2 says this, Paul, Paul writes, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. That's what we were doing when we gathered this week, we were allowing one another to, to, to lean on each other, to carry one another's burdens, to remind us that we are not alone, to remind us that God is with us. And in that way, everyone who, who, who lined the streets from here to, to Winston-Salem proclaimed, you are not alone. God is with you. And so am I. We fulfilled the law of Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Just by showing up and by being present with one another and for one another, we embody the presence of the living God. When I turned after the procession had ended to to walk back down to to here to to get my car, there was a profound difference in the way that people looked at me as I walked. Again, there was just this sense of peace that, that even just one small step of healing, toward healing, had been accomplished. Together, And I think there's something profoundly human about that experience that we can stand together in grief and in loss and in sadness and say you are not alone, God is with you. That allows us to experience something beautiful about God's presence. And as I reflected on that, I was reminded of a story from the Gospel of John. Chapter 17 Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he gets arrested and heads uh, toward the cross and crucifixion. Jesus was talking to his disciples and he prayed this prayer over them. He tells them that the Holy Spirit is coming to be with them, to be present always. That they would be sad for a time, but that joy would come in the morning because the Spirit was on the way. And he reminded them and prayed for them. He said, Holy Father, protect them, the disciples, by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one, Jesus and the Father. He prayed, he continued praying, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that you might have the full measure of my joy within them. So he's talking about the joy that is, More robust than happiness. The joy that can stand in the face of death. The joy that can say, Death, you do not have the last word. You do not win. That's the kind of joy, the fullness of joy that Jesus is praying over his disciples that they would have because it's the same kind of joy that Jesus experiences in oneness with the Father. And then he prays this for all believers. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them might be one. Friends, that is you and I today who heard that message proclaimed from the disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have the ability, not only the ability, we are inherently united in Christ. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he broke down all barriers. He broke down everything that would get in the way of us loving each other. All of the political nonsense and garbage, all of the, all of the things that we divide ourselves by, like race and, and class and socioeconomic status, all of that stuff is broken down in Jesus Christ, in his acts on the cross for us. And we are united. We are one in Christ, regardless of who we are. And that is the message, that is the prayer that Jesus left with his disciples right before he went to the cross. One of the last things that he said to them. Pray that you may all be one just as God is, just as Jesus is one from the Father. And then he says, verse 23, Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Something happened this weekend, friends, that allowed us to experience a glimpse of the unity and the oneness that we have in Christ. By standing with one another, proclaiming that we are not alone, by proclaiming God's presence with us, we recognize the unity. We recognize that all those other things that divide us are so trivial and insignificant. Compared to the love of God through Jesus Christ in us. And I just invite you to remember that as we go from from this place. Because I know how it goes. Here's what it reminded me of. When I was coming back, when I was walking back down King Street, back toward the church, and and people looked at at one, we looked at each other in the eye and, and we nodded with just a kind of affirmation that yes we we just experienced something sacred and holy and healing together and there's a long way to go but we just experienced something transcendent we looked and we nodded and there was love one for another it reminded me of just after 9 11 do you remember what that felt like at the time we were still we were just as divided then as we are now we're human beings The political climate was the same. And yet, after that tragedy, we all came together and said, we're going to set aside those differences even for a moment and recognize our common humanity, recognize our common loss, recognize that we are one, we are together. And it reminded me of that as I walked by and I I saw those nods and those smiles and I felt that peace settled in the air, uh, that, that peace that can only be explained as a peace that passes understanding. I believe that in that moment, I believe that we received a preview of what the kingdom of God is like. We experienced a oneness that our town and our world has not experienced in a long time. And I urge you to remember what that felt like. I urge you to remember when you're in the grocery store or when you're in your car and someone cuts you off or when you're, wherever you are, when you're on social media and you're thinking about writing that comment that you know is coming from a place of fear and hurt and insecure, whatever it is, don't write it. Remember that feeling of love and unity and oneness that we experience through Jesus Christ. Because that is how the world will know God's love through us. Our unity is a representation, is a sign, is a witness of God's love in the world. And it's been on display this week and let's not let it fail. Let's not let this moment pass us. Let's not go back into the familiar patterns of disunity and disruption and insignificant things. Let's remember this week that God is with us, each one. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, will not be afraid. I will rest in the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and his presence in me and in you, the body of Christ. Amen.